Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is Tuesday, December the 8th, 2020. This is episode 2788. Draith Kata of Pirate Chain returns to the Survival Podcast. And uh, I reached out to Draith for a, a couple reasons. One is, there's been some issues with Pirate Chain wallets. And I wanted you to get, you know, from the top, what's going on, what's being done to correct some of the errors people are having and stuff like that. So we're going to start this interview with that. And it's it's a little bit technical. And if you're not having problems with the wallet or you don't care, you can jump through that part. It's maybe the first five, seven minutes of the conversation. Then we're going to go on to all the things that Pirate Chain is enabling and doing. And, and our, our discussion today, the, the overriding thing that I want you to be thinking about through all of this is privacy and the value of privacy. In fact, this is a show that I came up with a phrase in it that I probably never would have come up with if I didn't have this conversation with Draith today. And we're going to play with this phrase and do something with this. Uh, because it's not just cryptocurrencies that are privacy coins that enables this. It's <clears throat> behavior and decisions. And the phrase is the great privacy reset. The globalists have a plan called the Great Reset. The Great Reset, right? They're going to change the world into a place where you'll own nothing, but you'll be happy. Whatever the F that means, right? No. We're not going down without a fight. And I, I talk about this today, this concept. When, when Bitcoin came out, people said, this is a tool of the globalists to go to a cashless society. The, 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 you're missing so much with that. Trust me, the globalists were not a fan, and they're still not a fan of Bitcoin. And, and, and despite some flaws we'll talk about that exist within Bitcoin today. Like, Bitcoin was the genesis of all of this. But Bitcoin's a counter-technology. A counter-technology. Yes, the globalists want a cashless society. Okay, then we need a cashless private system before they have theirs. The person that, that gets to attack first forms the baseline of innovation, and the other side generally never catches up. And, and that's just been true of every arms race ever. Well, their technology is designed to remove privacy. That's what the Great Reset's about. More than anything else, the removal of privacy. And because they want to regulate, control, and contain. That's what it is. They want to regulate people and their commerce, control people in their commerce, and contain people in their commerce. Okay, now I want you to think about, what do you require to be able to do that? You require the stripping of privacy. That's what you require. Like, not, like well, it would be nice to have. Like, literally, if you want to control a population's commerce, and, and as I've said before in shows, commerce is everything in the interpersonal relationship. It's all about commerce. Because it's not just the exchange of, I want to buy a widget, you want to pay me in dollars. It's the exchange of information. It's the exchange of resources. It's the exchange of value, no matter what form that value takes. That's what commerce actually is. When you and I sit down over a beer and we discuss a subject and I leave better understanding it than, than I entered into it with, and you leave better understanding it, we've engaged in information commerce. 
And when that commerce is such that one side feels that the equation is not balanced, generally they tender some sort of payment, whether it's monetary or otherwise. I owe you a favor, or here's five bucks. And if you want to shut that down at the fundamental level, in an age where people exchange information more than any other way electronically, then what you need to do is you need to strip privacy away. It's not optional. You can't contain and control and manage and regulate the commerce of humanity unless you strip privacy. I'm beating on this, but there's a reason. The counter-technology needs to be a reset of privacy. You're going to hear about that and other things today. But I, I, I say this to Draith during this interview, but I really believe it. The more that I've had time to think about it since we've had our discussion, the more I believe it's true. If the year was 1985, the average person of my age in 1985, someone in their late 40s down to like mid-30s, you know, if you had tried to go from where they were in 1985 to where we are today with the stripping of privacy and rights in a single year, there would have been blood in the streets. They would have never done it, but it's what would have happened. Like, like the shit that's going on today, governors, congressmen, maybe the president would have been drugged into the streets and hung upside down. I'm not saying we should do that. I'm saying that that is what it takes to get to where we are. You can't do it in one fail swoop. You have to incrementally strip it away. So the generation that's 30 years old today doesn't even know what it is. They don't even know what it is. They don't know what privacy is. They don't know what rights are. They've never lived in a world where they've had them. It's old farts like me and older people who even know what this used to be. But they've scared all the really old people. And they've been scaring them for longer than COVID. I can't tell you how many elderly people were afraid Bush was going to take away their Social Security. I remember hearing that and going, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But they frightened everybody at every level. But at least if you're older, you remember what it was to have privacy in your life. It's gone. It's been stripped. I cannot emphasize enough that what we're talking about today is taking it. Some of you don't like this word. I don't care today. They're taking it the fuck back. To take your privacy the fuck back from those who stripped it from you. And I'm not saying that Pirate Chain alone, or privacy coins like Pirate Chain, Monero, etc. alone can do that. They are a piece in the patchwork of changing your life. Changing the way you do business. Whether that's business of actually buying a thing or transacting information exchange with others. You must change your behavior to restore your privacy. They took it away. You can take it back. We don't have to fire a shot. Not a real one. We don't have to hang anybody up in the streets. All we have to say is, hey, you know what? Since you're collecting my data in this service, I won't use it anymore. Or if I use it, I'm going to use it in only this very select way where I have to. And I'm going to do everything else over here. I, since you're, you're collecting everything I'm doing with my money, I'm not going to use that form of money unless I have to. And I'm going to find more and more ways to not use that form of money. I'm certainly not going to store the bulk of my wealth that way anymore. Since you want me to own nothing, I will take control of the one thing I can guarantee that I own, information. That's what we're talking about today. And it must be a multi-pronged, 
approach, and it requires you to do things differently. It requires that you stop using a browser that reports your data to the government and to the company that provides you the browser. It requires that you do things like use VPNs, the Tor network, etc. It requires if you're going to use social media, at least use a social media platform that says we don't give your information away, not one that says we do. That's what we're talking about today. We'll have our special guest, Draith Kata, on, and uh, we will be talking to him about a Pirate Chain in just a minute. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our special, our special guest, our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Western Botanicals. You want to talk about a place that the government has regulated into uh, sickness and illness is, is, is healthcare. Because we don't have a healthcare industry, we have a sickness and illness industry. Every dime that's made in our medical system today is made by treating illness and disease. Almost no money is made through the prevention of disease and illness. Think about that. You have a society where you want to make money and you only make money when people are sick. What do you want? How do you grow an industry? You have more sick people. Herbs are one way to take back your health as well and something that you can control. If you want the great information on herbs, you want raw herbs to make your own stuff, you want herbal formulas, you want it all from people who will never deceive you, Check out westernbotanicals.com. Next up today, the Free State Project, Liberty in Our Lifetime. You know, I'm talking to Draith today about Pirate Chain because I believe that if you are fighting a battle for liberty anywhere, you're fighting a battle for liberty everywhere. I, I really believe that. And I think privacy is one way towards liberty. Another way toward liberty is saying, hey, you can't do this stuff to us. No organization that I know of in the United States has done more to drag a government kicking and screaming against its will in the direction of liberty than the Free State Project in New Hampshire. And you can visit New Hampshire and have a great vacation and a great time and meet really cool people and learn more about it. Just go to fsp.org forward slash visit NH. With that, let's go ahead and get our special guest on the show. Again, Draith Kata, captain of the Pirate Chain Project. Returns to TSPC. Drake, man, with that, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Hey, great to be here. Glad to have you back on, man. We have had a massive interest in Pirate Chain, a.k.a. R, since your first appearance about a, uh, a month ago. I think it's been good to people, too. It's up about 100% from uh, the time we did that interview. But we're here to talk more about, I guess, the underlying value of the coin as a privacy tool than that. But it's it's never a bad thing when you invest in a cryptocurrency and the balance uh, value goes up. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a bunch of stuff I want to talk to you about, but one of the big reasons I brought you back on is that a lot of people are trying to uh, to get their hands on some R. Uh, they're looking for exchanges and stuff, but where they're having the biggest issue is wallets. And since that's kind of the problem, let's start there because then everything's uphill from there. So can you kind of update us on the situation with the various wallets that are available from Pirate Chain and some of the known bugs and what you guys are doing to work through them? Yeah, sure. So um, first things first, um, we're going to be, uh, you know, moving away from 7Cs okay. and uh, pushing uh, Pirate Ocean. So the code for Pirate Oceans getting uh, is in the process of being finished up for the newest version, which will include all the latest and greatest features and stability and all that other fun jazz that you know is required for any piece of software, really. So um, that being said, probably in the next uh, week or two, we should have that ready and available for everybody. Okay. Um, 
and then, like I said, we're uh, basically just not going to – we're just going to be removing uh, uh, seven seats from the available wallets because it makes no sense to have two wallets and try to focus on those two when, you know, we need one solid wallet, you know. Okay. So – there's that. Um, the light node was under some maintenance for the light wallet. Um, there's a bunch of updates that we're going to be starting to work on with that for not only like uh, connection uh, points for you know adding servers for that stuff, but also for um, you know uh, speed. You know, because I know that. Uh, after the massive, massive influx of people, you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's like any piece of software. You know how you, all of a sudden there's a stress test on it with, from an influx of users and all of a sudden stuff starts breaking. <laughs> In this case, it's not necessarily breaking. It's just the speed of it is just ultra, ultra slow. And so we're going to be working on that quite a bit to resolve all those issues and as well as adding more servers. But until... We resolve the slowness issues from the node itself. There's no point in adding more servers because you know it's just you'll have a bunch of slow slow servers at that point. You know. Gotcha. Because yeah, so, I mean, I, I installed the Light Wallet on my PC, worked flawlessly. Um, then you guys were doing node maintenance; it stopped working as soon as you were done. It came back up, so I went ahead and threw the the Apple version on one of my MacBooks. And when I when I try to fire that up, it runs up to like sixty thousand or six hundred thousand or whatever on the on the sinking, and it sticks there and it won't go away, and <laughs> it just locks up. And I tried even uninstalling it and reinstalling it because it, you know it never initialized on my Mac, and same thing. Like it's like it remembers where it was even though I've pulled it off and reinstalled it. I guess Macs work a little different than PCs. Yeah, that, all that stuff we'll be uh, looking into for, you know, when we're updating our stuff and, you know, revamping the code for some of it. So, Yeah. I, I really want to kind of caution people in our audience. Like, whenever I, whenever I get hot on a new crypto, and, boy, I haven't been hot on one like I have are for a long time. I mean, to me, this is everything cryptocurrency is supposed to be. We yep. had a lot of people that are kind of onboarding in our audience. Like, they, like they don't—they've never even owned a, a fraction of a Bitcoin before. They're starting out, you know, going to Coinbase and buying a little Bitcoin and stuff like that. And then they want to jump right to something like this. This is a tech in development. And please, even if you think everything's working right, start with small amounts. Verify things are working. If you really want to hold some R right now, I'm a big advocate of not holding on exchanges. But if you're you know, a lot of people are buying three, four hundred bucks. You want to hold that on exchange until this stuff gets taken care of? That's okay. It'll be all right. I mean, one of the great things about R, and I think this is part of why you guys have had really had to work with your exchange partners as well, is you're like the first Z-Snark cryptocurrency that not only are you always private, you are using Z addresses on exchanges, so even that's private. Yep. And that's made it a little hard for them, but I... I, I think that things I've seen that get better. Like I was having a lot of irregularities buying on Coinex, and that all seemed to go away. So I don't know if that's something to do with the maintenance or work you did with those guys, but it's it's much better. Yeah. So two points there. Um, we are the absolute first uh, project to do shielded addresses only for P2P transactions, and the whole Z address on exchanges, while that's amazing, has been a nightmare for 
us because they're like, well, how do we do this? You know, there is not like a typical um, address to where, oh, yeah, I can see all the transactions that come in and out. Everything is fine. And I was, uh, exchanges had no idea what they were really getting into at first glance, especially the uh, beginning exchanges that we were on. So it's been a lot of work trying to get them up to speed, and a lot of them want to treat it like a token, you know, mm-hmm. to where and not have to do any maintenance or anything. So what we ended up doing is, uh, is like, in for example, with CoinX's case, we worked with them for a long time trying to get them up to speed, get their node back up online and update the code to the point where an auto consolidates for them and does all this stuff. So the maintenance is very, very, very few and far between compared to what it used to be, you know, because we realize that not everyone's going to maintain their stuff, you know, exchanges. Yeah. We understand they're busy and yeah, they should pay attention to all the coins that they list, but you know, things come up and things get behind. So if we can, if, we update the code like we did, you know, it makes things a lot easier and for not only for the exchanges, but for the users too, because the wallet's down less often for maintenance and so forth. So, um, yeah, so CoinX, you know, they've been actually really, really good in the terms of, you know, keeping in contact with us and giving us status updates and working with us and all that stuff. So CoinX, yeah, their, their stuff is pretty much good to go now. Yeah, before we move off of the exchange topic, just real quick, I'm going to throw out a uh, an attaboy for them because I've not dealt with an exchange, and they're a smaller exchange. I have not dealt with an exchange with the attentiveness of customer service that they have. They have done a great job every time I've had an issue of saying, yeah, we know, we'll fix it, and then fixing it. And that's, you know, and I, I know you guys use Trade Ogre as well, but. I'm not real hip on your tech support being direct messages on Twitter. I, yeah. I'm really not. Like I don't. Yeah, no, I, I completely I, I, understand. Good lord! I mean, that's like it's as public as you can get with your information too. So we're we're kind of on the other side of that. Let's let's kind of go, like I said, uphill from there. Well, we're, actually, real quick, um, let me do one other shout out sure. to uh, Polarity as well. Polarity, while. You know, it's still trying to gain traction for users and stuff like that. It's still, it's picking up steam and they are extremely good when it comes to, you know, making sure this stuff works right, deposits are good and everything. So, and they're a, uh, they're a DEX too. So literally you send your coins through a gateway. Everything's, you know, all your stuff is on your keys. So you can pull up your, your account anywhere using your keys and everything. So. Great. That that's good to hear. So I do want to kind of like go uphill a little bit with this with some really exciting things uh, that are going on. But I, I also kind of wanted to just drive home to people that maybe didn't catch our first interview exactly what Pirate Chain is and what's really revolutionary about it. So we talk about privacy, but I think sometimes that word kind of just goes right by people. Pirate Chain. Uh, again, ticker symbol R A R R R on on exchanges and uh, analyst sites is not just a privacy coin. It is literally the most private way to conduct a transaction that exists in the world today, in my opinion, anyway. Can you explain how that's the case? Sure. So ZK Snarks, which is the protocol behind pirate chains uh, or the cryptography and stuff, 
um, stands for Zero Knowledge Proofs, and it's widely considered the strongest uh, uh, strongest type of pri- uh, uh, cryptography out there. So, uh, you know, compared to, say, ring signatures and all that other fun stuff. So that being said, all the, like, you know, Zcash is the one who, you know, really developed it and created the created the uh, you know shielded addresses with it using it with their chain but the problem is that they both have private and transparent addresses which ruins fungibility right so you can 95% of the train chain is uh, transparent transactions which is pointless you know so every other chain out there, has the same deal, except for, say, like Monero, who has, you know, but, uh, you know, shielded addresses, well, quote-unquote shielded addresses, but um, it's not ZK Snark, so, you know, it's not as strong of privacy. Now, with Pirate Chain, on the other hand, the only transparent transactions that occur from the block reward, right? So once that block reward is distributed to either the solo miner or the miner pool, which is for accountability, uh, accountability purposes, you know, from that point, it can only go to shielded addresses, meaning that from there it gets sent to, you know, a Z address. So everything is shielded from there. And then from that point on, nobody knows what happens to it other than the people that transact with it. So, yeah, I was listening to a video on Odyssey yesterday and uh, one of your guys that you're deeply working with, can't remember his name now. He was on with a couple other guys, Crypto Rich and uh, the guy Luke's. from um, God, what's it? Uh, uh, Crypto Vigilante. Um, and they, yeah, were, they so were. It was Lutz and uh, Crypto Rich from that were both from Pirate Chain that went over and talked over there. Yeah, th- those guys, right? So they it was the video, and I'll link in the video or the the show notes today to that video. It was like this ship has sailed. It was great interview and uh, a great discussion, and I recommend everybody who wants to know more about Pirate Chain check that out too. But one of the things uh, that one of them said was they've literally said, here's an address. If you can tell me how much money is on that address, I will give you the money in that address. Yeah. And, I mean, that that is putting your money where your mouth is literally. And I, I think that people maybe don't really understand how much is at risk using a lot of the cryptocurrencies that are out there today. And I... I kind of really salute them for getting us where we are, but yet there's a fundamental flaw in a public ledger that tells you everything that ever happened on an address. And I, I can't make it more clear than let's say that I'm, a, I'm as dumb as I can be with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or anything like that, and I'm accepting that uh, in my web store. And I'm always using the same address. Like I said, that's a, that's a, that's a bad use of a technology that's already flawed. And my competitor simply makes a purchase from my website, sees that address, throws it in the block explorer, they can see every transaction in and out and the amounts. They can go look at my inventory and say, this is what he sells, this is what he sells the most of, this is when he sells it, like, without even worrying about government. That level of disclosure to a competitor is really a bad idea. Or flip it around and you pay a, a, a company that you don't really know with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or whatever, and you're doing the same bad practice, and you have a lot of money in that address. Do you really want somebody to know that you have that kind of wealth? Like, both of those are examples of you're not really worried about the state. There's tons we can go down that road. But disclosing that kind of information is not generally something you do. You don't, 
If you have visitors coming over, you don't leave your checkbook out so they can take a look at your balance. What, you don't leave your cash laying around the house just for everyone to see? <laughs> yeah. You know? You don't you don't take a picture of your bank balance and post it on Instagram, but like yeah. how different is it that if you have like an Ethereum address with a hundred Ethereum in it and that address is publicly available and associated with you, how is it any different than taking a picture of your bank balance and sticking it on Instagram? To me it really isn't. It isn't, and it or it also makes you a target too. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, somebody comes to your house, puts a gun to your head, give me your private keys or whatever. And, I mean, people have been – I personally know someone that was killed over about 75 bucks. I should say new, I guess, right? Like, <laughs> people will do bad shit for 10, 15 grand. Really bad shit. Yeah. Right? Like, that's just, again, something you don't really need to be disclosing that you have this available to anybody for a variety of reasons. Um You mentioned the Z-Snarks and Zcash protocol. What makes Pirate Chain different from Zcash? Because that's where this kind of did Genesis from. Well, two, uh, two things. One, uh, we only allow uh, shielded addresses for anything post-block reward, right? Whereas Zcash, everything's transparent unless you want to send something through a shielded address. So it's optional. And optional privacy is not private. We all know that. Given the opportunity, people get lazy, people don't care about privacy, and it ruins it for everybody else. So by enforcing uh, shielded addresses and shielded transactions, it makes it so that one, like, you know, a group of people can't ruin the privacy of, it, of the chain itself, you know? So, because, I mean, think about it this way, right? In the case of Zcash, 95% or I think maybe even more of the, their transactions are public transactions, right? So if you shield your uh, transactions, you're in a small group of people that have, you know, that are shielding their transactions. So if the somebody wants to come by and say, okay, I know this guy is using shielded addresses, So it's there's something within this five percent here that you know is one of them. You've narrowed Whereas, it down to only five percent of the transactions, right? And then yeah. like the way I was explaining to somebody who was asking me, like, well, how does that matter as long as I always use it? So let's say that you had a, a let's say that, that that moles were unique somehow, like because transactions have dollar values, right? So you see a, a mole with seven green spots on it go in a tunnel. And it comes out a hole somewhere half a mile away with the same spots. You maybe don't know what happened to that tunnel, but you've identified it on both sides of the tunnel. And yeah, so, chain, chain analysis is crazy, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, your transaction could have been shielded, but if the person in front of you and behind you didn't shield it, then we know where the tunnel is, and that starts a whole... Now the now the analysis is specific versus general, and it's it's much easier to decipher and figure out what's going on. Yeah, so it's just like having thousands of moles enter a hole and just never coming back up. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. So, so there's that, and then the other thing that differentiates us is you know our uh, we use delayed proof of work, which makes this 51% attack resistant. So, in other words, to perform a double spend or things like that, 
you would need to not only overtake 51% of the hash rate on our chain, but you would need to do it on Komodo's chain and Bitcoin's chain simultaneously to do that. <laughs> I read your white paper, and it said, you know, overtake Bitcoin with 51%, and in parentheses, good luck. Right. <laughs> and I would also say this. So let's say that right now you did somehow amass the computing power to do a 51% attack on Bitcoin. Wouldn't you use it on Bitcoin? Right. Wouldn't that be the place that you – you see what I'm saying? Like if you had that oh, computing yeah. power, you know, Bitcoin's, what, 19 grand a pop. Like wouldn't that be the place that you would probably go? Yeah, exactly. Because then, like I said, you, you've, you've accomplished this, which is already – Very difficult. But now you still need yeah. to overcome two other blockchains. Like, that just doesn't... Risk-reward analysis of the thief, that doesn't make sense. Exactly, exactly. So, I, I read also the report that the dude from Crypto Vigilante, or it was it Jeff, I don't know who wrote it, but it was like the most exhaustive thing I've ever read on a cryptocurrency, analyzing private uh, pirate chain. And they mentioned Zcash, and they talked about something I didn't fully... Uh, understand the risk associated with with it, but it's called trusted startup. Can you, uh, trusted setup, yeah. Setup. Can you explain what that is and what risk it poses? And like, have you guys done anything to make sure that's not a risk on your end? Well, the, here's the thing: detractors and even people who want to figure out like any potential weak points will always bring that up, right? But it's just the it. Think of it this way, right? So there is something called the Powers of Tau, which is the uh, sapling, uh, uh, sapling. Uh, I forget the whole term of it, but basically, what that what that event was was generating the keys for the uh, for sapling, right? Which okay. is uh, the uh, the upgrade from Sprout which is the uh, shielded address protocol and stuff, right? Yep. So the thing with sapling is that what the detractors say is, well, it's a trusted setup because he trusts those people that they, you know, got rid of their keys or this, this, and that. And, you know, if they didn't get rid of their keys, then, you know, they can decrypt the shielded addresses. However... With the way that sapling was set up, there was over 80-something participants in that ceremony that generated keys. If all of them revealed their keys except for one, you still couldn't decrypt the, uh, the shielded addresses, right? Okay. Now, obviously, there's a bunch of people who are public with destroying their keys, right? Which means that You can't decrypt it because if at least one key is gone, you can't do anything at that point. And that's the that was the intent of why it was set up the way it was set up, so that it removes that possibility from uh, Sprout, where in Sprout, if you know a few people had their keys, you can decrypt it potentially. Whereas now you can't, even if one person is honest, out of you know eighty something people. I think it may be more, but but either way. So the risk that people state that, uh, or the the with the way that it's stated as a risk, I think it's completely overblown because 
it's just the understanding of how that trusted setup works is not like how most people depict it. Okay. Very fair. I just I just wanted to understand it, but I also wanted to be able to answer it if it comes up. I it, yeah. it's definitely not something I lay in bed awake at night thinking about. Oh, trust sure. me. If if I had any concerns with it, I would make sure to try and move to a different protocol. Like for example, I know uh, Halo Two is coming out with uh, Zcash at some point, which is the which is the trustless version. Mm-hmm. But you know that's that. It still needs to be time tested and things like that for even a consideration of doing something like that. So, because I mean, with uh, with Sprout, there was also a uh, inflation bug in that code that, which is why they moved over to Sapling because that resolved all that stuff, you know. And plus, on top of that, Sapling reduced the uh, transaction size and increased the transaction speed, so everything is a lot more, a lot smaller, and a lot faster. So with Halo, there's still a lot of unknowns with that, and uh, you know that's something that you know we'll wait and see what happens. Got you. Um, one thing you mentioned last time, and I, I didn't really check into it until uh, honestly last week. Uh, but what exactly is the BPSAA, and what role does that play in in the efforts you guys are making and in cryptocurrency as a whole? Yeah. So the BPSAA stands for the Blockchain Privacy, Security, and Adoption Alliance. And it's something that I thought of because originally there's something called the Z Alliance, which is, you know, uh, a bunch of coins that had shielded addresses that got together and, you know, basically helped each other out, you know, with any issues or just opinions or whatnot. So... That kind of dissolved by the time I got into there, just, you know, poking around, seeing who's there and if anyone's still talking. So the idea came to my mind that, you know, why not create an alliance among other projects that not necessarily have the same protocol or even, you know, are working for the same thing. So I got together with my crew, you know, Lutz, Wookie, and all the uh, Dream Tim and all them, and then we talked to... uh um, one of my good friends from Turtle Network, uh, Wolf, who actually was with me and some of the pirate crew over in the Caymans promoting pirate, um, talked to him and was like, dude, let's start up an alliance to you know work together and create some interoperability. And then from that point, it moved over to Sentinel, who you know agreed to join us, who's an awesome, awesome DVPN project, and as well as Ether One, who's a uh, decentralized storage uh, project. You know, so all four of us got together, uh, you know, became the founding members of the BPSAA, and from that point, we just kept growing and growing. So we onboarded people like Komodo, Burst, uh, Ergo. Um, you know, we're onboarding a new member soon. Um, uh, that'll be announced on Thursday. And basically, from that, from that point we uh we are officially incorporated now we're going to become a non-profit for education and as well as creating interoperability solutions so for example like with the new iteration of pirate os that we're going to start developing soon you'll start seeing all those other projects inside of the os for example you'll be able to you know trade on turtle networks exchange or polarities exchange straight from the os you'll be able to utilize Sentinel's DVPN on the OS. You'll be 
able to store files using Ether One's uh, storage system and all that other fun stuff, you know. So basically, we're creating solutions by working together. And on top of that, you know, coming out as a group that stands together, especially in a, in a place such as that's as divided as crypto in general, where everyone's kind of like in their own pigeonhole, we stand up together and say, yes, we're working together. We're creating solutions that'll go far. And, you know, by working together, we're stronger, you know. So well, absolutely. I mean, if you start thinking about interoperability and things like um, what the hell do they call that thing that uh, Lit Monero did? Um, uh, swaps, something like uh, atomic swaps, right? Yeah. So, so if you start to develop a technology where, if you, let's say somebody else comes out with a really kick-ass uh, privacy coin, and if you create an atomic swap type technology, even if it's something different and new between those two. And then you start routing transactions through two technologies that use different methods of encryption. Everything becomes more complicated for the person trying to, to crack that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean that's you start to end up with almost like a dynamic encryption, like because things change on, on on both sides. So even if you figure out a key, the other side doesn't work. Like that that because I I don't think that. I don't think this can be defeated, but I don't think the people that want to defeat it are going to go away quietly. Like, they're oh. doing things right now. Like, I think the place they're making their biggest attack right now is stable coins. That, that's, that's their kind of first move in the gambit is to crack down on stable coins because that's the crypto apparatus for a trader to say, you know what, when Bitcoin's hit 19.8, I think it's going to come back down a little bit, so I'm going to move over to USDT. Hold that for a week, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna buy back into Bitcoin. So like, that doesn't really affect what we're talking about yet. But that's kind of the first place they're gonna attack. But these people will not go away. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always gonna be you know people trying to pry in and you know figure out you know what everyone has and who's who and all that other crazy stuff. And the the the, the interesting thing is is that. They're the ones playing catch up now. Yeah. Whereas the users back like before crypto were always the ones playing catch up with them. Yeah. You know. So the goal now is to stay as many steps ahead of those people as possible by you know improving the protocol or pretty much by any means necessary. You know. Well, what I've been trying to explain since the dawn of this, I'm a, I was a fairly early adopter with Bitcoin, Litecoin, etc. When those were like the cryptocurrencies and people would say well the, the the global elite want to get rid of cash and have an electronic currency so this is a trap and what i've always tried to explain is when your enemy has a technology you don't ignore it you develop a counter technology that exceeds their technology and if you don't they win like if you look at the history of warfare in every arms race the side that developed the technology first and expanded beyond the capability of the opponent wins Mm -hmm. And that's what cryptocurrency is. I have absolutely no disagreement with anybody that says the governments of the world want a completely traceable currency and that Bitcoin could be that at this point. But they sure weren't on board with it when it happened. And without Bitcoin, there is no Zcash, there is no Monero, there is no pirate chain. Like All of this came from that. That was, And I think that's what people need to understand with like Bitcoin. That was, hey, look what we can do. And yeah. then all these innovations 
came from that, and yes, there's flaws in Bitcoin. Of course there are. So you have to start somewhere with a tech. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can people can hate on Bitcoin as much as they want, you know, because it's not private, it's not this, it's slow. But this is where everything started from, you know. And Satoshi's vision, in my opinion, was for everyone to work together on building Bitcoin. But, you know, since then it's been, you know, splintered off into tons of different projects and people stay pigeonholed in their own project, not caring about anything else that's going on and trying to ensure the, the success of that one project, you know. Whereas there's going to be tons of projects out there that are successful, Mm-hmm. You know, it's not going to be one crypto rules rules them all. It's going to be all these different cryptos have their use cases that are legit, and eventually they're going to be adopted. You know, and that's that's to bring it back to BPSA real quick. That's the one of the main things that uh, drives us is that you know it's not going to be a one and done thing for one project and that's it. It takes all of us to work together to create something amazing that'll touch every single space possible. Well, and I think that the only word I would change in there is from all to many. So, like, many of these cryptos will become, will make their use case scenario and become a... Oh, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Because, yeah. yeah, like, a shitload of them won't. Like, there's a ton of crap out there. So, like, oh, yeah. whenever I see, like, so-and-so has a new cryptocurrency or whatever, it's being listed here or whatever, like, my first question is, what does this do that nothing else does, or what does it do better that nothing else does as well? And what is what is the what is the case for the need for this? So, like, you know, when I, when I first heard about library credits, for instance, and it's kind of a, a Bitcoin fork, it's very public and all, but it was, so why? You're going to build a, a, a network to share videos and content. If you're going to, you're not going to do privacy, why not just use Bitcoin Cash? It works for micropayments or whatever. And what I ended up accepting about that particular currency was, well, because when I set up an account at Odyssey, I have a wallet and it just works. And that's probably because they built their own blockchain and it was fully integrated from the beginning and they didn't have to try to make it work with something else that could change. Okay, now you have a use case. And when I look at Pirate, I look at that and go, okay, well, they created something that no one can actually see what the hell's going on and is far less likely to someday be decrypted and back checked than something like Monero. Now you've got a use case of the currency itself. Then I look at the back end. What are you doing with it? And like the stuff you guys are doing, and I want to talk that about that in a bit, like the organizational structure, the organized disorganization you got going on is amazing. But if you can't show me what a currency does or what the project does that differentiates it from 10,000 other currencies, I don't really care. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then you see, it's funny too because you see some of these projects out there that are like, oh, well, we have staking. Well, and I'm like, well, who gives a shit? You know? <laughs> like, how is that? You know, so, in other words, you're saying uh, you're more efficient than proof of work. Okay, big deal. You know, and plus, proof of stake has its own issues, anyways, but that's beside the point. So, in other words, what you're telling me is, this project is the same as everything else, but you just change the the way that it's mined. Okay, whoops, you know, you big deal. The name like some of them are yeah. literally they just make a clone of another crypto that's a proof of stake, and and they and, and then they're done. Where 
So like to defend a proof-of-stake company, ARK is somebody I really like what they're doing, but it's not the coin, right? It's, it's basically LISC. It's the team that's building a product called Deployer that can go into a company and give them a prototype blockchain in under an hour without any coding. Yeah. That's innovative, right? And I, yeah. on the other side of it, it's as public as you could ever be. All of your nodes are known. Like, it doesn't do anything for the shit we're talking about today. But at least they're doing something that nobody else is. And that's how I, I just want, in general, for people to start taking this in because I'm sure you remember the boom and, oh, we're developing a cryptocurrency for the electric companies. Do they need one? Did they ask for one? How does this differentiate itself from any... Like, did you just clone some shit and put Electium or whatever on it? And, and most of them, that's what they did. Oh, yeah, exactly. And and that's... And, and let, me, uh, let me go back a step and say it's not so much how... Like, okay, you can change, like, one thing. Basically, clone a project, change one thing. And, yeah, that's that's kind of cheesy, but... If you build some awesome stuff on top of that, mm -hmm. then yeah, that that'll change my mind on that sense. But like with the electric company thing, man, like uh, to me, stuff like that is dumb because like literally, <laughs> you want to. It's just a currency that should be accepted everywhere that the electric company should accept. So yeah. if you're aiming just for a small like a, a business like that, you're not gonna you're not gonna succeed. I mean, it make that that mindset doesn't work you no. got to make sure you target like if you're going to become a currency that currency should be accepted by everyone not just oh the electric company <laughs> yeah especially something like the electric company now i could make a yeah. i could make a use case for creating a blockchain for a private club network that uses its own token to keep other people out all right i And maybe you want that blockchain within that organization to be auditable. Okay. Like, I can make that case. I don't know that it's practical, but at least I can make the case. But when you're talking about something that's a general product that everybody uses, like electric dollars does not make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> and I don't think it would make sense to customers. Like, if it doesn't make sense to the person on the other side of the transaction, it has no... No possibility. I look at something like R and I say, does it make sense to the customer once they understand this transaction is private? Yeah. I, I think that anybody, once they fully understand what we're talking about when we say privacy, even if they don't necessarily want to onboard right away, it makes sense. Like there's a reason that I would not want my neighbor to know what I've done. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If somebody yeah. wants to take Pirate right now as payment, electronically on their website, what are the options that they have? Yeah, so uh, one thing is uh, Pirate Pay is out of uh, is in beta right now, so it's public beta. Um, I actually have it set up on my store, uh, physicalcryptocoins.com, and essentially what that is is you set up a separate server for a wallet server, And then, so that basically, that server runs a full node, so this way, any payments that come into you, automatically, if you have, for example, WordPress, uh, you know, it'll complete the transactions for you automatically, so instead of having to manually complete transactions, it'll, you know, it'll auto-calculate, you know, uh, the amount of R needed to be paid and so forth, 
and basically it's like a full node that's connected to your store's uh, checkout process. So there's that's one. And then the other is you can integrate uh, cryptocurrency checkout, which essentially what that does is it doesn't require you to run a full node. It just provides the user or the, the customer with an address to send to and auto-calculates the price and auto-completes transactions on your store and stuff like that once the uh, amount is sent. Is that a is that a WordPress plugin, cryptocurrency checkout? Yes, uh, okay. WordPress, Joomla, and quite a few others for okay. cryptocurrency checkout. So that's and I, I actually use that on my store as well. You so know? it's a less sophisticated tech where I, I, I place this order and it says, okay, you need to send 481R to this address. Yep. Okay. And there's no middleman either. I love that. Yeah, so this way it's directly to you without hopping in between somewhere else. Very cool. And it sounds like the first one is so, more what's, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was saying it sounds like the first one, Pirate Pay, is far more sophisticated and would require a little bit more technological know-how. But in essence, you are you are your own payment gateway there. Yes. And the other thing, too, with that is it'll create multiple addresses as well. So love that. Uh, one person sends payment to one address. The other person sends the payment to another address and so forth. This way it reduces uh, – this way, for example, somebody looking in can't be like, okay, so all these funds are going to this address here. Yeah. No, it's like that, you know. So this way, you know, it, it, make, it, it provides um, – a little more security in that sense. Plus you're running your own node too, which, you know, it's always a good thing to have your own node running. So, it, you know, it's a benefits the network and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff we'll, like that. So we'll get to that in a second. Cause I want to talk about that too. Um, but I would also say the person that's made more of a low tech person accepting, uh, R right now, you're probably not running a hundred R transactions a week. And if you are good for you, um, you, can afford, you can afford to get your node set up by somebody that knows how to do it if you don't, if you, you're doing that. Um, I would say that you know if you're doing a few transactions a week, this other thing, I'm going to check this, uh, this tool out myself. Um, if you went in once a week and changed the address, that would be a good low-tech solution in the interim. Yeah, yeah, you can do that, and then that would, you know, that would provide some benefits as well. So. And then I'm super low tech since I only sell one thing on my site, which is a membership. My cryptocurrency people, they just basically fill out a form, and then I get back to them and say, hey, what do you want to pay in? They say, I want to pay in this. I send them, you know, because I don't, you know, I maybe run 10 of those a a week in all. So if you want to take crypto, especially things like R. So you know anybody using R is probably ahead of the crypto curve. That customer, as long as you don't have a volume problem or you can't keep up, is very tolerant to the need for an extra step. They don't, they don't get angry and go away. You know, especially if you take yeah. PayPal and they're saying, I don't want to do that. That person, I have found not only are they extremely tolerant, I literally have customers who are only my customer because I take crypto and sometimes because I take the crypto they love. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. shit, he takes R. Well, not, I had one guy, you'll love this. And it, now, it was when, good for me, too, when, when, uh, when, when R was down at, like, half of what it is now, and 
I sold him a lifetime membership which sells for 300 bucks, and he sent me almost $500 worth of R. He wouldn't take no for an answer. He was He's such a fanatic about the, the pirate project. He's like, I want R in your hands. I want you using it. And I've never had anybody do that with dollars. I've had them do it. I've had it with other cryptos. I have never had anybody do that with dollars. I've never had anybody. I'm so excited about you spending my dollars, Jack. I want to send you more. That's that's never been a thing. Yeah. And another cool thing too is the fact that um, for those who accept R as a payment, you can get listed on our uh, uh, directory website. So it's rmada.com. So a r r r m a d a dot com. It's our directory of stores and businesses that accept Pirate Chain as a payment. Yeah, I need so for ass. people who you know open up stores or whatnot and accept Pirate, you know you can just auto just contact us and we'll list you right on there. So and plus the cool thing is too is that if you use cryptocurrency checkout, you know that's a multi-coin solution. You know so you can have Bitcoin, Litecoin, Ethereum, Pirate. You can have uh, you know tons and tons of other coins that you, that you, people can pay with, and it'll automatically generate you know the pricing structure and everything for you. So That's you just got so as a store owner, you just put in your addresses, and then good to go, pretty much. And like I said, if you don't, everybody doesn't need to be Jason Bourne for God's sakes. Like I have people that are literally starting out with fifty bucks, and they're worried about hiding everything they do, and it's like just learn the tech and then get better at it, right? Yeah. Um, But like it, the, the the person with the small store out there that's listening to this is like I'd like to do that, but I don't. You know, I would rather have all this dynamic changing of addresses and all. Just change your you're you're not going to do that many transactions. Just change your address after you do a transaction. It's literally cut and paste. Just make sure you cut and paste it right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, there's 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 you know small things you can do with the low tech solutions that'll help you out more than you realize. You know, so. Absolutely. I mean, I, I always say this about even Bitcoin, as public as it is, if you simply make a habit, if you're doing you know low-frequency transactions instead of being the target store or whatever, if every time you take Bitcoin, you hit receive in whatever wallet you're using and generate a new address, that does a lot right there, especially if eventually your plan is to move it from Bitcoin into a privacy coin like a Monero or an R. So now you've created multiple little bitty transactions that go into one that disappear. That's much better. It's not perfect, but it's better than everything coming to one place. Yeah. I mean, either way, you know, as soon as that user sends funds to you, whatever happens afterwards, then nobody has any idea other than you. I wanted to give you this because I want to move into how we can help pirate chain as a whole as a community right now because I again I've got people really jazzed about this I have not I'm excited but I haven't seen as much excitement in my people I don't think about a crypto ever which is funny because when I first asked when I got your request to be on like is anybody interested in this it was very ho-hum <laughs> and then once people heard about it they're like holy shit um, yeah. but I do quotes of the day with my show usually in the beginning here I want to bring it out with you again like I did last time our quote of the day today is by Phil Zimmerman He said, if privacy is outlawed, only outlaws will have privacy. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that like people really need to understand what, what we're talking about here is creating a system where they can't take your privacy away. Because I really believe that that is the overriding goal of government, is the elimination of privacy. 
And what it, what I've also been kind of on a kick lately with this whole pirate thing is I don't think Americans, Americans are generally very proud of their country and our spirit of rebellion and whatever. I don't think they even understand, just non-crypto related here, but the role pirates played in the independence of our country. Like, we, we think of pirates as guys that go around stealing shit from other ships, but in general... We're stealing back with privacy. Right, stealing it back. But it's also along the lines of like a lot of what was going on prior to the revolution and during the revolution, it was integral to people having things, was actually smuggling. So you're a smuggler, but the minute the smuggler is attacked and their property's attacked and they fight back, they became, in the word of the accuser, a pirate. And yep. I think that's more accurate as to the type of piracy we're talking about here is What makes us pirates is resisting the attempts of others to know what we're doing with our property and to control it against our will. So it's it's more of like in some ways it's smuggler, right? Like it's we I, I am preventing you who says you have a right to see what I'm doing from seeing it, and that's what makes me a pirate. Yeah, and the thing is, man, is that over the years. Our privacy has been degraded over and over again and just reduced to very little just because, you know, of all these different things that come out and, you know, the, uh, like the several programs that come up that we don't even know about. You know, for example, like the, some of the, a lot of the stuff that Snowden revealed, we had no idea what was going on with that before he revealed it. Yeah, Prism yeah. was that program. Yeah, but yeah Prism, like, that was it, yeah. And they're and like, oh, we shut it down now. Oh, okay, sure. Sure, okay. <laughs> you changed the name, right? You, yeah. You, you made Bitcoin yeah. Cash out of Bitcoin. Come on. Right? Yeah. And the funny thing is, too, is like, they're like, oh, well, you know, it only tracks overseas things. Well, what do you think happens with Google? You know, just because you send an email to yourself doesn't mean that it's local. Sometimes it pings off a server in, say, Germany or France, then comes back to you. You know, that's considered overseas now. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Or if you communicated with somebody that communicated with somebody that communicated with somebody overseas, well, now you could be in that chain and considered and justified very easily by filling in one blank on a form that the operative uses as, as part of the investigation. Yeah. Like, we, and it's, six it's degrees, all about. Was that game Seven Degrees of Kevin Bacon or something in like any movie? You could find an actor who was in a movie within seven of Kevin Bacon. Like it's that type of thinking. Oh yeah, and the the thing is, is that you know when it comes to the opinion of your own privacy nowadays, it's basically gotten to the point of a lot of people saying, well, if you don't need, if you don't, if you have nothing to hide, why should you need? Why should you try to be private? You know. Whereas if you rewind ten, twenty. 30 years ago that sentiment is you have no right to look at my stuff you know yeah, yeah. so that that dynamic has changed over time which is crazy and i mean there's several different things you can point a finger to but it's just we gotta rewind the clock on that on that mindset because it's a dangerous mindset to have it's um it's it's incrementalism is what it is so If I think of the way people had the opinion of privacy in, let's say, 1985, which really sounds a long time ago now, but it ain't that long ago. Yeah. Um, if you tried to go from where we were mindset-wise in 1985 to where we are in 2020 mindset-wise on this subject, people would have killed the politicians dead 
in the streets. They would have drugged them into the road, shot them in the back of the head Mussolini style, and hung them upside down. It, I, and I have, I have no doubt that that is the case if they tried to go from there to here in one year. However, oh, yeah. when you do it over 25 years... People just swallow it a little at a time. That, that's the dangerous nature of incrementalism. What makes a technology like Pirate dangerous for them is you can let a person experience what it used to. You can do a reset. Like they talk about the great reset. How about a privacy reset? Let people experience what privacy is. And then it's very dangerous because you reset those people back to the point where, no, You can't have this. So they've done this really slow erosion, but technologies like Pirate, technologies like Tor and using VPNs, etc., are a reset back to the way things used to be because now we've put up our own barrier. And it's the same reason I tell people, like, if you really care about guns and the right to own a gun, get your friends that are, like, in the middle and take them to the range and get them a gun and get them to own a gun because it's much harder to take something when somebody has it that it is to take something from other people when the person you're relying on doesn't have it. So if we can reset privacy to what it should be, then you get a lot more entrenchment and a lot more resistance to this shit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You give people, like you said, give people a taste of what privacy is like, and they won't want to give it up. Because if you, the moment you give an inch in your privacy, that's not coming back 99% of the time. Absolutely. That's I, I'm gonna I'm gonna market that the great privacy reset. <laughs> so and, and I want to help you guys because I think that a lot like I think about like Free State Project, like when you are making a battle for liberty, the more successful you are, the more successful everybody else is. So how can people in my audience help pirate? You, you've mentioned running a node, so let's start there. Um, I'm actually thinking about getting a a PC to just set aside and let it be a node, and if I do some other things with it, I do it. What is kind of like the general requirements for it to work well on a computer, for that computer to have as far as performance capability? Um, I mean, it all depends, really, if you're using the computer for anything other than that. Um, well, but if, you, if you're just going to spin up a node, a full node for, your like, your wallet, um, generally you want to have... You know, whatever OS are you using? You know, Linux is great because, you know, you don't have all that BS on there like Windows and Mac and stuff. Um, but that is if you know how to use Linux, you know. Which a lot if you don't know. To, <laughs> yeah. So in that instance, say, for example, Windows, you would need, say, you know, say 100 gigs or 200 gigs, whatever, just to have plenty of space, you know. The node only requires, I think it's like 7 gigs at this point, and then plus Windows, which is like 30 gigs or something. So say like 100 or 200 gigs of uh, disk space. Uh, you want to have at least, uh, I would say, just to be safe, 16 gigs of RAM, which RAM's not that expensive anymore. Um, and then, you know, a, a half-decent processor, you know. Okay. Aside from that, you know, you can get a, cheap-ass graphics card, doesn't matter because, you know, it's not going to utilize that. And then whatever else you need. You know, or hell, you can even use the uh, onboard graphics from the motherboard. really doesn't matter. You know? Okay. But once, if you have that stuff, you can, you can spin up your node, your own node and 
uh, do what you need to do. I mean, as an example, I mean, the it runs really slow, but I have a uh, one of those micro PCs, you know. Uh, it's a uh, it's this off-brand like little box. It's probably like six by six by maybe two inches, and you know we just connect an HDMI to an external monitor, and then from that point you can just plug in a uh, like a one of those handheld keyboards with a touchpad on it, and then just go from there. You know you can download your stuff and then uh, run the node from that. And the funny thing is that as small and as crappy as that thing is, it actually still runs a full node, okay. and it runs it perfectly fine. You know, granted, I can't do much else on it, but <laughs> you know, but it works. But you know, there's 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 tons of different solutions out there for people who want to run a full node and things like that, and you know, this way it ensures their privacy. Because keep in mind, right, when you say, for example, you're using a light node. Right, there is some sort of level of trust with it because you're connecting to somebody else's node, right? In our, in this instance, you're connecting to our team's node, which you know, obviously, you know, we do nothing with that, and we make sure to do the proper precautions with everything so nobody can get in or do anything. Uh, but all all the light all the light wall does is connect to that to tra- transmit transactions, you know. Whereas if you have your own node, you're transacting to your own node, you know, if you run a full node. So. Okay. Are there other things that people can do other than running a node that would help the project? Oh, absolutely. I mean, whether it be marketing or just talking about it on Twitter or on any social medias, um, hell, you know, getting stores to adopt Pirate Chain as a payment system, as a payment system. Uh, as a currency, that's also extremely helpful because it gets more eyes on, you know, Pirate Chain because they see that, you know, that store is accepted or they see that name on that site um, and things like that. You know, speaking events, like if somebody's confident enough in the tech to really dig in and answer questions and things like that. Like, for example, with me, right? You know, I'm, I'm a technical guy, but when I got into Pirate Chain, this shit was way over my head. I had no idea what the hell half the shit was, you know. <laughs> but over time of just reading and reading and asking questions and doing all the stuff that I did, you know, I have a really pretty solid under I have really solid understanding of the tech it's involved, all the tech that's connected to it and things like that, to be able to talk to other people about it and answer questions and things like that. So I mean if people are really interested in it, they can dig in to that extent. And then, you know, talk to other people about it, answer questions, you know, and be able to, say, defend themselves if somebody says, oh, well, oh, it's a trusted setup. Well, do you understand what trusted setup means? And then it can just go on and on and on about what that actually means to diffuse things like that. Because, you know, it's as much as some people like to bring it up, like, for example, people from Monero like to say that stuff. You know, a lot of them don't understand what that really means because they just hear that buzzword and just go with it. 
Yeah, it was you know? a word they heard, and, and it means that we might be better, so let's bring that up as an objection, which is pretty much debate 101 in the modern world. You don't know what the hell you're saying, but follow the science, right? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's yeah, that's why you taped masks over your, your input vents on your freaking car. Okay, great. You follow the science. <laughs> that's why wrestlers can wrestle but not shake hands. You follow, okay, great, yeah. Then I, that's the mentality we're dealing with. But I think what, the nice thing with cryptocurrency is as soon as you're there, You're already not with that that level of, of thinking. And yeah. I, I have kind of cautioned people to be careful when you're onboarding into crypto with some advanced tactics of like making sure you copy your address right when you send it somewhere so it doesn't go off into oblivion or what have you. Because there is no customer support for I sent my money to the wrong address that in any crypto. The yeah. other side of it is people that think, well, I missed out on Bitcoin, man. You know, it's 19 grand now. I missed out on the opportunity. Whenever you get into a sector and you have entrance into a, a sector, the one advantage those people will always have over the old guard who have first mover advantages, they will generally start with the latest technology. And, and that's what protocols like R represent, the latest and greatest in this space. So you have people that, yeah, they got into Bitcoin when it was 14 bucks, like I did. Okay, great. Make some money off it. Great. Um, probably spent some Bitcoin. Like, I bought a shotgun from a guy for 600 bucks that was worth 800 bucks with a Bitcoin when Bitcoin was 600 bucks. So now I have a $20,000 shotgun. <laughs> right? I don't think about it that way because if I wanted another Bitcoin that day, I could have just went and bought another one, right? It was no different than spending money. But a lot of people that have been in the space since, like, say, 2008, they have a hard time adopting these new technologies, right? Even if they're yeah, traders, they'll trade them and make some money on them, but they don't, they don't start using them. Like, we have a lot of people in crypto that because they did so well on it, they don't use it. And, and it's meant to be used. It's meant to enable commerce between humans, because if you don't have commerce between humans that is free of third-party intervention, you do not have freedom, the end. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, too, with, when it comes to traders, in my opinion, a lot, of, a lot of them don't believe in crypto in general. No. Because otherwise they would be holding their stuff rather than just straight up trading it and things like that. You know, especially like a lot of miners that, were like, that are like, oh, okay, I'm going to mine this project, which is actually really solid, and just sell it as, so as soon as I receive the, you know, the uh, yeah. reward from it. They're know? either converting to Bitcoin or into dollars or whatever. They're just, yeah. they just see, I have this much processing power and this much knowledge, and I can make this much money a day with my computer pointed at this address. Like, that's yeah. how they see it. And that's, that's not, I'm not going to say it's unhelpful, because it is harnessing one thing that crypto kind of runs on. We all act in our own self-interest. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's not a bad thing. The funny thing is, is that I was like that for quite a while until I saw I got into Pirate Chain, literally, because I was like, I got into Pirate Chain and then, you know, did what I was normally doing, which is mining and then selling. And then I started reading into it a little bit more because I was like, why is this actually a lot of why are a lot of people hyped into this? And I started reading it. And I'm like, whoa. So this is like the new privacy coin that's out there that's you know actually private you know it's like the next monero and i'm like why am i selling this <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah 
yeah, you have unseizable, invisible wealth. That, yeah. That's kind of something you probably want to hold on to, or you want to use it to conduct transactions. And yeah. that's why, like, holding and, and spending are not independent of each other. And I, I explain that to people, like, okay, do you have a savings account? Yes. So every dollar you earn, you don't spend. No. Great. Good. That's a good thing. So why can't you treat your crypto the same way? Some comes in, some gets used to buy things, and some gets used to invest for your future through through holding and, and, and the, the natural resiliency against standard inflation that cryptocurrency has. Um, yeah. Even Once, a currency like Pirate, you guys made a lot of it, but there's a fixed amount. Yeah. And the happening was actually recent, too. You know, it was on the, uh, was it the 4th, I think? Yeah. So now there's even less being produced. Yeah, so. and there will always be a halving every so many... Nine, pretty much every nine months, about every nine, nine months. months. That's that's awesome. And that that is, you know, that is one way to help in, in, in hold up the underlying value where your dollar is designed to decline in value. And, and, you know, you can say whatever you want about the Federal Reserve. They're damn good at it. Yep. They're damn good at controlled inflation. They're really good at it. And people get mad when I say anything that the Federal Reserve's good at. You know, axe murderers are good at killing people. It doesn't mean I'm complimenting them. I'm acknowledging this thing they're good at, and this thing is bad for you. Right? I mean, that's it amazes me we've got into that world, too, where you say anybody's good at anything, and you're already, like, you're, you're a cheerleader for them instead of, like, hey, I'm trying to explain to you why maybe this isn't the best way to keep all your wealth. 100% public with, with, with inflation. Probably a bad idea. Here's an alternative. Yeah. And it, you know, on utility, one of the things I think Pirate really looks like a great idea for is like what people call micro-tipping. And whether that applies to social media or other things. And you guys are, are you guys doing that on Discord? If so, how? I don't, I, I got like a .03R on, on Discord, but I don't know where it is or like, is that integrated into Discord? Well, it's integrated into a bot that we created. So essentially, what what you can do is you type exclamation point a r r space, um, for example, balance, and it'll display your balance in R from that wallet. Now you can also do that by directly DMing the bot too. This way, you're not showing everyone your balance. Okay. Or actually, I think. Actually, no, I'm sorry. They changed it so that it, when you type that into Discord, it says, please check your DMs, and it'll DM you your balance. Oh, okay. So, and from that point, you use the same prefix, right? So it's uh, exclamation point A-R-R-R space, and then you can do, you know, withdraw or deposit or uh, tip. Huh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me, let me back up a second. The prefix is a R, exclamation point A R R R tip, one word, all one word, and then space deposit space withdraw whatever, and then you can also do uh, somebody's uh, name using the at symbol, right? So say at Drath space uh, five hundred, and then that'll tip me five hundred R. Wow. You know? So literally, you can tip anybody within Discord using that uh, command set. And then you can withdraw all your stuff. Just uh, I would recommend doing it in uh, in uh, a DM with the bot. But you can just type in exclamation point A triple R tip space withdraw space your Z address yeah. that 
you're withdrawing to, space however much you want. Or just type in all to withdraw all of it. That's one of those things. I bet there's a, a like a tutorial somewhere, and we'll we'll track it down and make sure people can find it because nobody's going to get that off of like verbal and remember that. If you can remember that, you're better than me. But uh, well, I, it's good I, to I, know I, you can do it. It's good to know you can do it, right? That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, I've I've tipped so many damn people that it's <laughs> you know it's ingrained in my head in anything that I do. But um, but yeah, I mean. The, the thing is, too, man, is that, like, for those who want to help out and just, you know, make yourself noticeable in Discord saying, hey, how can I help? Or, hey, I'm promoting art here. Or, hey, I got this store. You know, you'll you'll receive tips, you know, for doing stuff like that. I mean, I'll make sure to, uh, if I see it, you know, I'll send a, send a tip your way because, you know, it's just that level of support. Because we are a community project, you know. Yeah. We're not some, you know, crazy business that, like, you know, has money to hire people. No, we don't have a dev fee, nothing. So yeah. literally everything that I've been doing is, and all the, the entire crew has been doing is for free because we love the project that much, you know. So whatever R that I have, I usually, you know, like that, especially the stuff that's uh, in my Discord wallet, uh, I just tip the people because, you know, they're doing great work, and, you know, I love seeing that level of support. And plus, over time, if you support Pirate and just do what you can to help out, you'll be promoted through the ranks over time, you know. And then once you get to the role of first mate, you'll start seeing a lot of the internal discussions that go on, a lot of the stuff that isn't public yet that we're working on and things like that. And plus, you can be a part of the internal meetings and listen in or discuss different things with us. Cool. You know, that's outside of the uh, the whole public chat system. Yeah, let's let's dig into that in just a second because I wanted to say something about this micro tipping thing that I thought you would kind of maybe really groove on. Showing my age now, um, <laughs> I, I read a book back in the very early '90s called Celestine Prophecy by an author named James Redfield, and there's some woo woo shit in it. But one of the ideas is that in the future, humans would begin to value information from other humans such that when you met somebody and they helped you out giving you some key piece of information you needed, you would offer them what we think of in religious circles, a tithe or a tip, right? Mm -hmm. And that you would actually pay people voluntarily for information when they didn't ask you for information. And I always thought that was a really, in like, I'm going back again, the 90s, like, you know, if you did have a computer, you heard modem sounds and you dialed, there was no internet, you dialed into like a chat board back then. And I always thought that sounded really like a great idea, but I, I never saw, I'm walking down the street, I come along, Drake, I don't really know you, you don't really know me, and I'm like, hey, dude, do you know where, you know, Times Square is? And you say, it's down there and take a left, and I pull out a quarter and hand it to you. The, the, the idea itself sounded sound, but the, the practical nature of it sounded retarded. Like, like that's just, that's not going to be a thing. And if you look at the various forms of social media today and cryptocurrency, that is exactly the opportunity that exists now for the exchange of information to have voluntary value exchange with people that you find particularly valuable. So I'm hoping we see more of this. I'd love to see platforms like MeWe and, and what Facebook is. I, I hate Facebook. But any of these platforms integrate this in a way where it just works for people without a lot of knowledge. And I think that people are willing. To, to, I've seen the generosity in, in 12 years of doing this show that when you provide people value, they want to reciprocate. This is a, what I've always said is, 
you know, agorism is a natural state of humanity. Put two kids in a room together with baseball cards, what happens? They start trading. And yeah. this enables that. Doing it with privacy is so much better than without. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Oh, and one thing I wanted to bring up before, too, is, you know, the whole uh, the wallet thing. We do have a, uh, a uh, paper wallet, too. Okay. You know, so going back to your whole savings account thing. Yep. Like, literally what you could do is if you want to, you know, for the time being, if, like, the light wallet's not working for you and you can't run a full node, you can keep some on the exchange, but then I would recommend creating a, a paper wallet and just sending it to that address, you know. And then later on, you know, you can dig it back up and just put in your private key into, you know, uh, a full node wallet, and then there's all your balance, you know. I guess the only thing is that people don't get that reassuring transaction received. Thing, <laughs> yeah. Right? I so mean, that, that, granted, in crypto, that is kind of scary, you yeah. know. Especially new people that have never done it before, you know. Yeah. Small amount. And also keep in mind to to always back up your private keys, please, please, please. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's amazing how less fearful you are when you know you can recreate something. Um, yeah. Let's finish up with a little bit about the structure and I guess internal governance of pirate. How because you've kind of referred to that a few times. How that actually works because it's 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 the best meritocracy and anarchist system I've ever seen. Can you talk a little bit about how it works? Yeah, sure thing. So essentially um, you have captains like myself who they, you know, they, they give their guidance and things like that as far as, you know, their opinions on things or, you know, like they're pretty much like the face of the project in a sense. Like for example, with me, you know, I'm always the one that's doing interviews or 99% of the time I'm doing interviews or, you know, things like that. So people can see at least somebody behind the project, you know, and then you have first mates who, you know, they have either like a specialized role that they, that they do, for example, like dream Tim, he's uh, one of the main marketers for us. Um, you have Lutz who, you know, onboards other people. He, you know, has his, uh, his own team doing development work and stuff like that um, and just does a lot of stuff in general. Uh, you have someone like Cax who does community management. And there's, there's basically specialized roles, but they all kind of mix in, and they do their own thing. Obviously, we check in with each other and say, hey – I'm thinking about doing this. What do you guys think? Because we want to make sure we put out the right tone, put out the right atmosphere, and do right by the project. So in a sense, like we, you know, we sometimes vote on certain things or we discuss things that we that uh, some people are thinking about doing or some people think is a good idea, and then basically exhaust that to the point of either A, we'll be like, yeah, let's do that, or B, now nah, let's tweak that a little bit and, you know, or you know, maybe change course on that idea, you know? So we, we collaborate on a lot of things, uh, for just the promotion and representation of the project. And then you have deckhands who, you know, they either run a store or they've just been really helpful in the community and they're really active and, you know, things like that. Or there may be like an influencer that, you know, talks about pirate once in a while. Um, and then you have, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, 
can't think of the name for the life of me. I don't know why. But it's just one it's one role under that, and that's basically somebody who's been pretty active in the community that, you know, is able to post images and things like that, you know, that has established some level of trust to where they're not going to spam people and things like that. And then you just have regular users. But the key thing is that there's still you know, regular users that help out once in a while that with certain things or like if one of them is, uh, you know, just a low-level coder that's like, oh, I have an idea for this. Why don't uh, you can add this line of code here to do this, this, and this, you know, or just people that help out in general. So that's basically the structure of uh, the, uh, I guess, line of command you want to, you would want to say. But even as a captain, yeah, you know, I, it's a lot of. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not misrepresented, but it's a lot of perceived power, I guess you would say. But realistically, you know, we're just like the first mates in the sense that, you know, we all work together. There's no, like, um, oh, I'm a captain, I outrank you. There's none of that stuff. We all, we're like a big family. And that's, this is one of the only projects that I've ever been a part of that I feel like I'm home when I'm there, you know? That's how much I love these guys. Very cool. I, I do have one suggestion you guys might use for more outward communication. I know you guys are big with your Telegram channel, I mean your uh, Telegram group. One of the things I found really beneficial to me, because I have a shitload of people who want to know everything we're doing, but they do not want to be part of a discussion with 9 million people. Mm -hmm. So we have a group on Telegram. We also have a channel, and channels are one way. So like anything you'd put out in a blog, any announcement, anything you would tweet, anything like that, you just throw it on your channel And it's, it's, it's basically a self-managed text service at that point for your, your, yeah. your people. And I'd really recommend you all set that up. Uh, We have. Oh, you do? I'll have yeah. to find it. Okay, cool. I'll make sure I get it in the notes for you then because to me, like I, I run groups like you guys do because I understand people want it. I do not have the time to be in an active discussion on an ongoing basis. I just don't. And But I absolutely have the time to take anything you guys do and put it out through all my comm systems and say, hey, here's what Pirate's doing. So I would encourage people, because there's a lot of people in this audience that are also influencers, if you care about privacy, this is like one of the biggest movements for privacy that, that exists in the world today. And you know, get on their comms and put this information out to your people. Let them do what they want with it, but at least let them know. Because this is one of those things that, like, you really cannot fully comprehend the impact until you begin to investigate it and understand it. And the more you understand what's going on here, the more you realize it. I, I, I like this term that I kind of came up talking with you about today, the great privacy reset. Like, let's go back. Let's keep the technology of 2020. Let's go back to the privacy of 1980 Where, and, and show people. Because there's people like me. Okay, if you say what was going on in 1985, I can list a whole bunch of shit off. And, and, and there's a whole bunch of people today that, like, go, well, I wasn't alive, so. And they don't know. Like, people that are 25 years old today, they've never lived in a world with privacy. They don't even know what it is. Yeah. So tell them. That, tell them, guys. Scary. Let them know, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, growing up in the 80s, man, like, literally, it's scary to see people these days that are a lot younger that don't understand what actually having privacy is like. Or you don't know, see any value in it. They don't privacy, even understand it. 
they think privacy is just turning on, like basically changing your Facebook to private, you know, and that to them is private. Or closing your door from your parents is like their level of privacy. Yeah. When they don't realize the full scope of what privacy really means. It actually is a good way to explain to people that don't understand it that they do care about privacy, though, because also people say, well, I don't care. Do you, have you ever told it, told or kept a secret? Well, yes. Okay, then you care about privacy. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right? Have it's you not- ever written something down, had somebody walk in the room and turn the page over? Yeah? Okay, you care about privacy, right? Have you ever not disclosed a piece of information to another person who might have been interested in it? Yes. Then you see, right? Like, So clearly you care. You just don't realize how much of that you're not doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Give me give me access to view all your account statements and everything from everything you own. <laughs> oh, you don't want that? No, you care about privacy. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly, can I have your bank can I have your bank statement? No. Well, I I promise you that even though I don't think it's a good practice for you to hand me your bank statement, it's better that I see it than than the government sees it. Or even some other random user that gets yeah. into your account. Yeah. So clearly you care. Like, can I have all your passwords? No. You care about privacy. See, and like, it's, it's like it's amazing the uh, the cognitive dissonance. And and this is something that I've I've been talking about a lot lately too. Like, people think of cognitive dissonance as only one half of it, which is where you believe something and I give you conflicting information and it causes you mental discomfort. The other kind of cognitive dissonance, and this has infested our entire society, is when you know better, but you're behaving counter to your own beliefs and morals and system. Oh yeah, that's that's when you have a report to do, and it's due in six weeks, and it's two weeks away, and you still haven't started, and there it's you start being addicted to people because it's agitating you that you know you're not doing what you should be doing. That's yeah. what people are doing in all of their life today, and privacy is a huge one because people know this is a problem, but they don't want to look at it, and they try to make it go away with stupid statements like "I don't have anything to hide." Yeah, they're trying to be blissful in their ignorance. So what is the best way for people to stay in touch with the pirate projects? Yeah, so you can uh, follow, you can join us on Telegram. You can check out our Telegram announcements channel. Uh, you can follow us on Discord or, or join Discord, follow us on Twitter and Mastodon and Float and all those other platforms that we're on now. Um, you can, you know, um, I'm actually in the MeWe channel for with you guys, so... Yeah. If I see me in there or you have a question for me, just ping me. I may not get to it right away because I'm so busy all the time, but I'll get I'll, I'll make sure that I at some point respond at a, in a reasonable amount of time. Sure. Um, yeah, you can follow uh, uh, any of our Twitter accounts on there. Like for example, mine, which is at the infamous Kata. Um, you can. Uh, yeah, just stuff like that, or hell, even follow the BPSAA because we put out news for all the projects that are members of us. So, yeah, I'm just making right now, adding some stuff to the, the resources to make sure every bit of that is available in the show notes today, which is episode 2788. Drath, I really appreciate the work y'all are doing. I appreciate y'all coming back here. And like I said, anytime y'all have something, even if it's not like for an interview, if you have just something really new and really exciting. Don't assume I saw it. Let me know. I will put it out to my peeps because, you know, this is this is an example of if you care about privacy, you need to back the things that are going to give it back to folks. And, and, and thanks for being with us today. 
Yeah, I appreciate you having me, man. And like I said, anytime you want to talk or even just chit-chat, just hit me up. You know where to reach me. Yep, sure will. Yeah, with that, let's go ahead and remind you guys, if you like the work that we do and you want to help support us, one of the ways you can do that is do your online shopping through tspaz.com. That's T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. Today I have an item of the day that was actually asked about by a lot of folks. I know it's probably not going to be the most generalized, valued product in the audience because unless you're making uh, video production, you probably don't care. But it is the new wireless microphone system that I've been using in my Miyagi morning videos and my other video production. It's made by a company called TT Star. It's a, it's a wireless microphone system. It's 45 bucks. It's transmitter, receiver. It's got a bunch of little accessories. It just works. It's rechargeable. That's one of the things I really love about it is I don't have to put batteries in. It's rechargeable. And as a pigtail, that's basically two micro USBs to one full-size USB. So it only takes one port to charge both sides of the equation. It's got some really cool accessories. And all. I won't belabor it because if you're interested and you go to the write-up today, there's also a video in it where I kind of go through it. And I even give the, uh, the sync sequence at the bottom as much for my benefit as for yours in case it loses sync. All I can say about it is it's got 2,000 ratings on, on Amazon, 4.5 stars overall, and it just works. And if you've been listening to my Miyagi Morning podcast or watching the videos themselves, most of those videos have been recorded using it. So check it out. If you want to take your video production up a level without spending a bunch of money. This thing, again, it just works, and I love that. That's what I'm always looking for in a product. Also, if you want to become a member of the MSB, you can sign up online. Just go to the survivalpodcast.com. Click on Members to Serve up there. If you want to pay an R, please do. Uh, just when you when you complete the form and it gives you some options, don't take any of them. Email me and say, hey, I want to pay you an R and I'll send you an address. And I'm going to be implementing some of the tools we talked about today soon on the site to where it'll be a little bit more fluid for you to be able to pay for MSB or other things in cryptocurrency and specifically R. Right now, if you said to me, Jack, I'll send you any cryptocurrency you want, what would you want? I would say R. And you say, but what else do you want? R. <laughs> And I'm not saying to go dump all your crypto and buy R. I'm just saying, like, I want to start doing business in the currency that protects my privacy and my customers' privacy. I, I find that to be uh, an extremely valuable thing that we've lost the value of today. Remember, we're going to start working on the great privacy reset. How to, how to keep your business your business in a world where everybody wants it to be theirs. With that, let's go ahead and wrap things up with our song of the day today. This is a an interesting woman. I am an interesting woman. An interesting song about a woman. Um, that when I say what it's called, some of you will be like, "I don't know that song." And I, I, I'm going to bet that maybe one in a thousand people in this audience, once you start hearing this song, will be like, "Oh, I, do, I still don't know it." Like almost everybody that when you hear like the first guitar riff start going, you'll be like, "Oh, I know that song." It's by the Hollies, and it's called "Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress." It's a very cryptic song. And it was actually written about the Prohibition era in the United States from the perspective of an FBI agent who's part of taking down basically like a club of speakeasy and meeting this woman that he's so infatuated with, he protects her. That's actually what this song is about. With that, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoy today's episode. If you have more questions on crypto, privacy or pirate chain, get them over to me, TSPC, in the subject line. We'll try to get you an answer. Please join us on MeWe. Not only do we have a great TSP group, we have a great cryptocurrency group, and this song should 
Well, it should give you a hint of something that's coming this week only on MeWe that you'll only find out, at least initially, if you're part of the cryptocurrency group. Can't tell you anymore. Got to keep it cryptic. With that's been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Thank you.